So the reading this evening is from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, and you'll find it on page 1027 in the Pew Bibles. So that's Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Would you like to keep your Bibles open? And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for just the utter wonder of the Christmas story. Lord, we, we pray that as I speak, I, I just give you, Lord, the things that I've prepared. And Lord, we pray that you will give us a fresh sense of awe and a fresh sense of excitement about this amazing story about God made man and about this good news that's as good news to us today as it ever was then. Just come, Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, 
Good evening. I wonder what images came into your mind as Tim um, read our reading this evening. Um, one of the things I love about that little sketch that we did is just it brings something of the incredible story of just, just, just the astonishment of what God did when he came to earth as that little baby. And I've been thinking about good news and thinking about the good news that we hear today. And I recently went online to find out what good news there'd been for the world in 2016. After a short time, I just thought I'd just look at the news. And there didn't seem to be an awful lot of good news. So on one website, I read that the three top standout pieces of news for this year have been, um, on the 24th of June, Britain, Britain to exit the EU following the referendum. On the 16th of July, a military coup failed in Turkey. And on um, the 8th of November, Donald Trump was elected as president. Now, some, some of you might find that very good news. Some of you really might not. But it's not good news for all people. So anyway, undeterred in my search for good news, I then typed into Google, good news in 2016. And I found a website that, that's called sunnyskies.com, which is a website dedicated to looking for good news. I'm afraid to say I was deeply disappointed. So the first thing, more young people are watching Planet Earth 2 than reality singing shows. Dolly Parton is donating £1,000 a month to families who lost homes in the Tennessee fires. And then it carried on like that, only, to be honest, it got worse. So I thought, well, this, is, this, is, this is extraordinary. With all the technology we have, with everything we've learned, our news really isn't particularly good at all. And yet, this good news that we talk about, or that we read about in the Bible, is this is a good news spoken by the angels to the shepherds is beyond compare for all people, for all time. Never has there been a time before nor since when good news has been given for everyone at one time. Good news that has the power to change every single life from within. And I wondered about more recent news that might be seen to be good news for all mankind. And I sort of went back um, a few decades, and I thought about the, the first moon landing in 1969. As Neil Armstrong said, that was a giant step for mankind. But even something as major an achievement as that didn't even begin to affect the daily lives of more than a few hundred people. Hale Irwin, one of Armstrong's successors, who also stood on the moon, said this. He said, the most significant achievement of our age is not that man stood on the, uh, on the moon, but rather that God in Christ stood upon this earth. This news, given by the angels 2,000 years ago, still remains good news of great joy for us today. And in what way is it good news for us? Well, the first thing we hear from the angels is that Jesus came for us. He came to us. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Almighty God has sent his Son to us, to you. God, the source of all creation, our God who set the universe in motion, the creator of everything, seen and unseen, sent his Son for us for every single one of us. And I, I don't know if you can remember as a child getting something, looking under the Christmas tree, and, um, 
And seeing something there with your name on it, I have to say, I still get excited about it. It wasn't just me as a child. Um, but something there with your name on it. And I remember one of, my, one of my gifts that I look back on and particularly love was a set of pencils, and every single one of them had my name, Diana Nairn, on them. And I used to love those pencils. And as I thought about it, I think the reason I loved them so much was because they showed that I matter, that someone had thought of me, that my, my name had been put on them. They made me feel that I was known. And whatever your circumstances this Christmas, God knows you and you matter. Whether you're enjoying life to the full or you're hanging on to his promises by your fingertips. In the 1990s, the, the Christian speaker, Jill Briscoe, had to speak at a church in Croatia where 200 newly arrived Muslim, Croat, and Serb refugees were gathered. Her audience were mainly women because the men had either died or were in prison or were still fighting. And when she saw the faces of her audience, Jill Briscoe suddenly realized that her, her message was woefully inadequate. And so she put aside her notes and she just said, Lord, please, will you give me the words that are going to speak to each one of these people? And so she began to tell the women about Jesus and how as a child he had been born and was persecuted, that his parents were refugees, they had to flee to Egypt, they had people who were trying to kill them coming after them. They had to leave absolutely everything behind. And then she went on and she talked about his life. And then she came to talk about his death. And she said, you know, in all the paintings, we see sanitized pictures, pictures where he was covered. But in reality, he wasn't. He was naked. He was flogged. He was beaten. And he was crucified. And she said, you know, many of you have had similar experiences. You, you are refugees. You've had to leave everything behind. You've lost loved ones. You've been beaten. You know what it is to be naked. You've been tortured. But you know there's one difference. For you, you didn't choose that. Jesus knew what was going to happen to him, and yet he still chose that. You didn't have a choice, and he did. He knew all this would happen, but he still came. And then she told him, why he had come, because he had come to save mankind, he had come to identify with us. And many of them just knelt down, put up their hands, and they wept. And she was able to say, he's the only one who really understands you. You can give your pain to him. We have a God who understands us. He knows the struggles that we have. He immersed himself in the world by becoming one of us. And he knows what it is to be human. And it's an amazing thing that there's no trial and there's no circumstance where we can turn around to Jesus and say, you just don't understand. Because he does. He knows what it is to be rejected. He knows what it is to be humiliated. He knows what it is to be poor. To be disowned by his family at one stage or rejected by them. To be lonely. To be despised. He's been there. And, you know, if you didn't know anything about the Christmas story and you were told that Almighty God was going to come down to earth, I wonder how you'd imagine he had come. We've just seen the young angel 
did you all go and build him a huge palace or something? No one would ever guess that the Son Almighty, of Almighty God would come as a tiny baby in an obscure cattle shed in a tiny little town in the Middle East. One wise person wrote this, the thing is, commoners can't visit the palaces of newborn kings uninvited, and we seldom are invited. But kings and princes can visit mangers, and so can bakers and weavers, wise men and shopkeepers, priests and shepherds and children, cattle and sheep. Even before the first word that Jesus was ever to utter, the way that he came demonstrated that he had come for every one of us. This was a baby who was accessible. This is a God who is accessible. And Paul tells us that he made himself nothing. He emptied himself of all his glory to come and identify with us. It's an extraordinary thing. And it gives us a window into those things that God values. The fact that Jesus came to earth tells us that life itself is the most incredible gift. Jesus told stories he ate at supper parties, and he enjoyed his friends, and he wept and was angry and was joyful. He lived life to the full, so we could too. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And the fact that Jesus came to earth as a man demonstrates that life has meaning. Every one of our lives has meaning. It tells us that we matter to God. Each individual matters. And it's no mistake that when God created the world, he looked at it and he said, it's good. And then he went on to create Adam. He created man and he looked at it and all he had made and he said, it is very good. It matters to God how I live. It matters. It counts for eternity. The good news is that he came for us. He identified with us in our humanity and our frailty. And he came to save us from the consequences of going our own way. He came to save us. One dictionary definition of the word savior is a person who rescues another person from danger or harm. God sent his son to rescue us, and that's the good news of great joy. In ancient Rome, the people would already have been familiar with the concept of a savior. Caesar Augustus brought in with him, a in with his reign of peace, um, brought in with him a reign of peace which hadn't been known politically until that time. And it was called the Pax Romanus, or the Peace of Rome. And because of that, they, people called him the savior of the world. But even then, the Romans recognized the inadequacy of that sort of peace. It might, be, it might be helpful, and it might have made a big difference, but it wasn't enough. It didn't, it didn't truly touch them where they knew they needed to be touched. Um, Epictetus, a first-century pagan, wrote this. While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart, for which man yearns, more even than outward peace. The savior that the angel spoke of meets the very deepest need and longing in each one of our hearts, the need for help, the need for forgiveness, the need for peace with God. And the manger and the cross are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. Why did God send his son to save us? Well, the writer of the Proverbs said, what a man desires is unfailing love. 
And that's what God gives us in Jesus. It's because God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. And this is good news for all people. Jesus alone satisfies the deepest needs in each one of our hearts. And so often, we think it's going to be something different. We think something else can satisfy us. And we look to other things. You just look at the shops at Christmas, full of just really junk, sometimes quite useful and helpful and pretty and attractive junk, but nothing that can really make a difference to to our hearts, not in the way that Jesus can. And nothing that we can ever do will earn relationship with God. There's only one way we can have that, and that's that's by responding to God's gift to us in Jesus. By saying, Lord, I want to follow you. I choose to follow you, and I ask that you be Lord of my life for the rest of my life. And the Bible is very clear. The, the, the way that we receive peace with God and forgiveness of our sins is by taking a God at his word, by accepting his invitation and saying, that's the way I'm going to choose, and by walking in obedience to him. And when I first became a Christian, I didn't fully understand that God's acceptance of me wasn't based on my ability to do the right thing. I so wanted to do the right thing. I strove very hard to please him and was consequently either completely exhausted or fighting condemnation. And increasingly, as time went on, I came to understand that God is infinitely pleased with me, not because of anything I've done, but because I'm his child. Through his grace... I'm hidden with Christ in God. And that means that when God looks at me, he doesn't see the times I get it wrong. He simply sees what Jesus has done for me. A clean slate. All my sins washed away. And that leaves me free to be in relationship with him and enjoy him forever. As the Westminster Confession says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. What an amazing thing that that's what Jesus gives us. He takes away all the angst, all the stress. He, he walks with us daily, and he enables us to enjoy him and glorify him. And lastly, he came to transform us and make us like Jesus. One of the songs, one of my favorite songs that we sing here at Holy Trinity has these words, going to shine from the inside out, that the world will see you live in me. You know me, and you love me. You fill me, so send me to shine from the inside out that the world will see you live in me. And if you just turn to that passage in Luke 2, verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they have heard they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And at that time, shepherds were people who were utterly despised. They were hated. They were regarded as extremely dirty. Um, they were unable to keep all the ritual and regulations of the law. Their testimony was legally invalid because they weren't considered trustworthy witnesses. These were people who were totally on the edges of society. And yet, on that first Christmas, they were 
utterly transformed by the experience of meeting Jesus. They became the very first evangelists. They were the ones who no one would listen to, and yet suddenly they were the ones who had the story to tell, and they went and they shared it with those around them. And those around them were absolutely thrilled and interested. Their evening had gone from being just an ordinary night watching their sheep to suddenly playing a vital part in the greatest news the world would ever, ever hear. And Jesus' coming revived their lives and gave them new meaning. They weren't just shepherds any longer, but servants of God. And they glorified and praised him for all they had heard and seen. And you know, when we respond to Jesus' invitation, when we ask him to enter our lives, I honestly believe we cannot remain the same. One of the biggest privileges of working in a church is to see God completely transforming lives. And I've worked for three churches, three and a half maybe, um, for over 30 years. And I can honestly say I have seen life after life after life after life completely transformed by Jesus Christ. When people have invited him in and asked him to be Lord, things have changed. And it hasn't been just a question of them trying. When he's in your life, you can't help but change. And sometimes that transformation will be immediate, and at other times, it's only going to be perceived over time. But we can't be sold out for Jesus and obedient to him without changing radically within and impacting those around us for the good. So this Christmas, let's spend some time again in wonder in all, at all that Jesus has done for us. And can I gently challenge you to look back. If you're a Christian, look back and see what he's done in your life. Savor it. Use it to focus on him again. Thank him for your testimony. In Jeremiah 31, it says, put up guideposts. Take note of the road that you've come by. I think very often we don't do that. So can I ask, put up guideposts. Take note. Just look and see the people who have been significant for you along the way. Thank God for them. And just see where God has been at work in your life. And then once you've done that, just see if there aren't people that you can just talk to about your particular journey. People that you can share your particular testimony with. May this Christmas and may this good news of great joy become real to you. And may God's Holy Spirit rest on you and equip you to witness and to pray for others that they too would come to know him. And I'm aware that there may be some people here who think this is, this is not something I can relate to. I'm just not there. And you know, there are people who would be delighted to pray with you and just to share just a little of our stories. Um, and so you too can have that relationship with Jesus. Let's just pray now. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much that you are our Father. You are the Lord who created us. And through Jesus, you saved us. 
And Lord God, we pray that you will open our eyes and our ears to focus on you again this Christmas time. Thank you that you came for us. We matter to you. You came to save us. And you transform us. You constantly transform us, Lord, and make us more and more into your image. And Lord, we pray that over this Christmas time, we'll see you again. And Lord, we pray that we'll be so aware of your presence with us. And we pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name, and so he might be glorified in our lives. Amen.